The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to take a moment and share a word from our sponsor. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is happy to be the proud sponsor of the Premier Dance Network. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is known for its fine total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer with the New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and designer of Tyler Peck Designs for Premier. It takes a dancer who wears a leotard all day to know what is best in a leotard. So Tyler's beautiful original leotard designs fit perfectly, are ideal for class, rehearsal, or performance, and move well with the body and won't ride up in the back. Body Wrappers makes additional apparel for all types of dance that includes ballet, jazz, modern, lyrical, hip-hop, tap, team, liturgical, performance wear for competition and recital, as well as Angela Luzio shoes. You may view all the products at www.bodywrappers.com or to purchase Tyler Peck designs by Body Wrappers, go to dancewearcorner.com or your favorite online dance apparel retailer for all their products. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 15 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Pod to Chat. It's been a really weird week for me. <laughs> Utterly strange, to be honest. Full of highs and lows. If you follow my Dancing Offstage blog or check my social media, you will see that some of my highs included an article I wrote on my blog uh, that got picked up by Dance Teacher Magazine and Point Magazine and the Dance Network. If you haven't seen that yet, head on over to any of those platforms and you will see what I had to say about hands-on corrections for students as a male teacher. I'm really proud of that. I've always wanted to write for dance periodicals and share all of my experience, so that was very exciting for me. On the other hand, I'm not really going to be discussing the lows today, but as you all know, I tend to be an open book, and when the time is right, I will probably have some type of conversation with all of you to talk about that. Either way, I can say that I am so glad that I have this platform to share my voice, to express myself, and give back to this wonderful dance world. I've had an increasing number of listeners reaching out to me for things ranging from kind words to information requests for teaching, uh, private lessons, and interviews, and everything else that you could imagine. It warms my heart so much to hear from you all, so thank you, and please do continue to reach out to me. Let me know what I'm doing right. Let me know what I'm doing wrong. Let me know if you want to learn from me. Let me know if you want to see my work, all that kind of stuff. Just please know that with the influx of, of messages, it may take me just a little bit longer to get back to all of you. Um, 
But my intention is always to get back to everybody. Sometimes it takes a day. Sometimes it takes a week. Sometimes it takes me a month or two. So just please be patient. I'm not trying to ignore any of you. Just busy, busy, busy. Lots going on. Moving on to my teaching schedule coming up. As you all know, I have my regular Tuesday beginner ballet classes at 10.30 a.m. and my Friday advanced beginner ballet classes at 6 p.m. They are all at Broadway Dance Center. I'm also running an eight-week absolute beginner workshop every Sunday at 6 p.m. And those are at Broadway Dance Center as well. Um, I guess that's a seven-week workshop now because we started last week. But as of now, uh, very exciting. Um, there are only two spots left in the class. So if you are local to the New York area, um, just call Broadway Dance Center to grab one of those spots ASAP. It makes me really, really happy that so many people are interested in my favorite art ballet and it's just so cool to see so many people in in my classroom that are are starting starting anew or rebuilding their technique either falling in love with with ballet or falling in love again with ballet um so that's pretty cool Beyond all this, I will be teaching intermediate contemporary classes on Wednesdays and Fridays at Steps on Broadway from uh, January 26th until February 7th. So I'll finally be mixing things up again with contemporary classes in the city. And if you want to see what time those classes are at, you can look at the Steps on Broadway website and go to their daily schedule and look at those dates. Alrighty, this week I wanted to get away from politics and thoughts outside the dance studio and get back to chatting about things in the studio. My last uh, couple of podcasts have been relating to politics in the dance world and also just discussing like the holidays and being thankful and all that kind of stuff. So I want to get back in the studio this week. If you listen to one of my very first podcasts, I think it was actually in one of the first ones I released because we released like the first three or six all at once. Um, but if you had listened, if you if you've started at the beginning and you've made your way all the way here, or if you've been jumping around, you might have caught that uh, I am an accidental choreographer. I think it was episode six where I talked about choreography. I was never supposed to be a choreographer. In fact, the first piece I ever choreographed, I had to ask my friend to finish for me. I I blocked while creating a solo for myself for a benefit performance while I was training at the Kirov Academy of Ballet. I think I was 17 years old and I might have been 18 at that point. Um, Anyway, I blocked creating a solo and I ended up asking a friend of mine to choreograph the last 30 seconds of the piece. And the piece was only a minute and a half. It wasn't like I was choreographing a one-act ballet that was like a half hour long. It was a blip. It was tiny. It was a minute and a half. Embarrassing. Yep. (laughs) It pretty much sums it up. It it still baffles me to this day. Anyway, I somehow ended up signing up for Choreographer Showcase a handful of years later during my time dancing with Pacific Northwest Ballet. And who would have ever thought, based off of my beginning as a choreographer, that that would be my career today? Today, I am going to give you some insight into my choreographic process and how it has developed over the years. While I can't tell you how other choreographers work, I hope that this gives you some uh, valuable information into how choreographers can create dance works. Um, And because I have sort of begun to really bridge the gap between the ballet uh, world and the contemporary dance world, um, my process has also sort of explored different ways of creating uh, based off of 
A, what I want to do, B, uh, what I've done with other people, like other choreographers that were creating works on me uh, and my colleagues while I was performing. Um, and then also just conversations that I've had with a handful of my, my peers over the past few years as I've started to really uh, mix more into the, the choreographic world. All right, like most choreographers, the first few times I ever created anything, any material, any movement, any phrase work, I uh, I came into the studio with the choreography already done. Um, it can be really nerve-wracking to go into a studio with dancers and to not really know what you're doing, and if things don't just flow out of you naturally to stand there trying to get something to work and having all these eyes just waiting for you to tell them what to do. Uh, for the most part, dancers are generally understanding, but if it goes on long enough and frequently enough, um, you can kind of tell the tension builds in the room. So because I was nervous and like I said, I was I felt like I was, wasn't supposed to be a choreographer. I, I think I actually asked Peter Bull at the first meeting for that choreographer showcase if there was an opt-out <laughs> of the the workshop and i i remember he said he, he was very great he was very good about it he he kind of eased me into it by saying like well we prefer you don't but if absolutely necessary you you can and i knew that he was kind of just giving me the answer that i wanted without telling me that the answer was the other one um but yeah, anyway, so I uh, I remember the first time I stepped in the studio, I practically had the entire piece choreographed. Um, it, I, it wasn't that idea that like I waited to see what the dancers were like and let them inspire the movement. It was more the idea that I was inspired by the idea of the dancers because I had watched them in class. Um, the not in class the first time actually yeah it, it was my colleagues. So I had actually danced beside these dancers. Uh, for a while. Pacific Northwest Ballet, they have this fantastic annual uh, choreograph choreography showcase where the dancers and company get to create works and they get performed on the main stage at the Opera House, McCall Hall. Um, and the first time I did it, it was on company dancers and they used to alternate every other year. Company dancers, professional division students, like the top level students, and it would go back and forth and back and forth. But uh, as the schedule for the dancers became too overwhelming, they... Uh, they transitioned it only to the top level professional or division, or as we call them, PD students. Um, so the first year, year, yeah, it was it was company dancers. So I was inspired by the idea of the dancers, and I had watched like I I'd, I'd watched them in class on stage for a, a couple of years at that point. Um, but I really didn't let them inspire me to create the movement directly. It was more I would think how they danced, and then from there. I would go home and I would play around in my living room or I would, during a break at, at the studios, I would go into a studio and play the music and I would come, I, I would come up with the choreography and then I would show up in the, the studio and I would just teach them the choreography. So that is one way to do it. Um, and in the ballet world, I do feel like in the, in the major professional ballet world, I do feel that this is more common for choreographers because, uh, like, for instance, when I danced with the Northwest Ballet, we had uh, six programs plus Nutcracker. We did about 120 shows a year. Um, and the amount of time that we actually got to create works was very limited. So uh, there wasn't as much time for, like, the creative process to uh, 
develop in the studio if you wanted to have time to like throw some material out there and see how it settled on the dancers and then sort of play with it and tweak it and come up with more ideas um you would be out of time and your piece wouldn't be done um every once in a while we would get a choreographer that would do that and it would be horribly stressful for the dancers because we would be doing process work and we'd be getting closer to the show and we wouldn't even know what the piece looked like and by the time that we got on stage we may have rehearsed the full thing a few times before um before that so uh there was a reason why choreographers came in and did that but uh i i think that this is part of the reason why many uh, choreographers that work with ballet companies usually show up into this uh, in the studio already with their their pieces prepared. As I became more comfortable as a choreographer, I began entering the studio without material prepared, like I was just talking about. Um, or I would at least come with like a, a short phrase, whether it be like thirty seconds to a minute. Um, but I would have that phrase, and then I could build off of that. Uh, essentially, when I say building off of it, say if I had twenty-four counts of choreography um, and it moved a certain way, I might do some exercises that may see where that choreography goes. So uh, I'm, I've worked with a handful of former William Forsyth dancers. They dance either with the Forsyth Company. Um, in uh germany uh or what did that transition it was frankfurt ballet initially and then it turned into the foresight company but they did a lot of process work there uh a lot of exercises to see how where choreography could go um an example of that would be taking a phrase like i said of like 24 counts of choreography and um then telling the dancers that they can spend five to ten minutes taking the exact choreography but creating a different order so you're doing the same steps but then the order changes so the choreographer would let them do that then they look at each of the pieces and then they go okay i like this i don't like that maybe tweak this maybe add this um and then after that they might they might take the two dancers sections um of re uh what's the word i'm looking for um shuffled choreography and then they might have them do the same thing create a duet or a pas de deux that is a shuffled version of both of their new sections so um that's a choreographic exercise i honestly am not a big fan of that i've tried it um but uh i don't like it because i feel like the choreographer really just gave a small amount of material and then they really let the dancers choose i kind of call it choosography but let's not get too in detail with that conversation we can save that for another day but anyway so um, as I've as I've become more comfortable, I, I actually really enjoy going into the studio and getting to know the dancers and um, building material with them improvisationally uh, in the studio. But I, I feel that you can't just walk into the studio and do this. Uh, what it was really important for me to do before uh, I started going into the studio and without any material prepared, like movement prepared was um i absolutely hands down had to know the music inside out um essentially i <laughs> if i'm creating a work i will obsessively listen to the music that i'm using um i mean not like five or ten times like imagine listening to it on repeat like hundreds of times and uh it might even be like i'll listen to 30 seconds and then i'll restart the music 30 seconds restart the music i'll do that over and over again um and what this allows me to do is this allows me to 
really develop like a certain structural element for the piece. Um, and this can come in the form of like deciding when there would be a group dance or where there'd be a solo or a pas de dith. And that would allow me to sort of have the framework kind of like uh, the frame of a house before adding the walls and the windows and the paneling and the colors and all of that. It really gives you just that, that frame to build the piece. Um, without feeling tied to anything going in one direction, but at least having the comfort of knowing how I'd like things to to shape the piece. Um, and that's really important for me too, because I generally, I mean, I, I do plotless works, I do story works, but I tend to often uh, create works that are inspired by some type of story or some type of... Uh, there's always like some type of element of inspiration that I build around. Um, I'm, I don't always just create dance for dance, but my pieces are very dancey. But, um, yeah, that's what I've done as I've become more comfortable as a choreographer. I go into the studio and I, and I work that way. Now, just a little, a little bit to add to this conversation. Um, I used to look down on certain methods of choreography. I guess you could say I was a bit snobby. Um, I mean, the best way I can explain it is when you are working for an extremely high-level organization and you're trying to work at your highest level and everybody around you is trying to work at your highest level, there's a certain level of nitpickiness and uh, expectation and judgment that goes into almost everything that you do. Um, and when you're working this intensively for years with the same group of people, there's sort of this insular idea uh, insular thought process that develops where a lot of people sort of feel the same way about certain things. So uh, you can get kind of judgy and you can kind of say, well, this is the right way and this is the wrong way and forget that there are many ways to do things, whether you agree with them or not or whether you like them or not. Um, I remember getting into a heated debate once with uh, <laughs> a friend because I didn't believe that choreography should ever be created before listening to the music. Uh, I know Merce Cunningham used to do this. Uh, and it's, it's again, it's, it's a way of choreographing. Um, I felt, and still to this day, I mostly do, but I, I felt that movement should be inspired by music. Um, and that's why dancers dance, because like you dance to the music. Um, but as I've grown, I, I thought I would try this out because I, I did have friends that did it and it seemed to work. The idea of creating the movement and then sort of pasting it on top of the music. Um, while it wasn't necessarily my favorite approach to creating work, it was still an approach and I, I had different results than I normally would get. So I thought that that was a really interesting way to go about it. Um, what I found when I worked that way was... I would create the movement and then we would play the music and then it was more the idea of stretching and then thinning out different pieces and pulling them and then altering. So it was more a, a test in how I could uh, alter my expectations versus um, really being inspired to move uh, and then just put music onto it. I don't know. I, I think of it this way. If you go out to a club, it's not like you dance in silence. Like you go out to a club and you dance to the beat of the music. Like it makes you want to move. And and that's the kind of choreographer that I am. I really am that kind of, like I, I like to take the music into my ears and see how it comes out. I mean, the best way I can explain it is 
if you think of music, I, I ask this in my classes a lot, but if you think of music, like if you ask a student what music is, they'll often say like sheet music. And the, the reality of that, and I learned this from my band teacher, Mr. Rappelt, back when I was a, in middle school, um, that that is not music. That is just symbols. It's symbolism. And it tells you how to, what, what to do to make music. Really music is the vibration that comes out of the, the instrument that you're playing. So with music, it's the idea that it's vibration and your ears take these vibrations in. And as artists, as choreographers, we imagine what that vibration would look like and we take it into our bodies. And this is why we practice so much. Um, we take that into our bodies and we try to mimic what that vibration would show and how that vibration would feel on an emotional level as, level as a human being. So um, that's why I choose for the most part to be inspired by the music. But um, this is definitely an approach. I, Like I said, I used to look down on it. I understand it now. Not necessarily my cup of tea. But um, that, that's one way that my choreography has evolved over the years. So going along with that idea of trying a different method uh, today, like, like I used to think I'm going to be this type of choreographer um, and I can only choreograph this way. But today I try not to put myself in a box. I try to change it up and see where things go from from there. Uh, for instance, back in uh, August when I went down to Houston, Texas to choreograph on the Uptown uh, dance company. Um, I remember if you've been listening, that was my Hurricane Harvey experience <laughs> that I did an episode on back in that time. But uh, when I created my my work on the company, I did two works. I did one for the school and I did one for the company. The school was one of my straightforward uh, neoclassical ballet works, but I did a more contemporary piece for the company. Um, and I decided... For the first time, I mean, I had, I had done this in class, but never for a core, like an actual dance work. I decided to do a section that had a lot of gesture involved. And it was really interesting to see how that process went because I, I was creating a piece that was inspired by a, um, an intervention that was, that the person decided not to accept help. So really the, the ballet began at the intervention. It wasn't the other way around where you see somebody spiraling out of control and the family tries to give the intervention and it works or it doesn't work. Uh, I like the idea of seeing how, like exploring how people might react if they if they were part of an intervention that didn't succeed and then how the family could respond um, because I've watched enough intervention and I know people that have had interventions um, and I uh, I was always curious to see like how families came together or fell apart after. Um, and they say that like you're supposed to have your like stand your ground, and if you say you're not going to see them again, or if you say that you're uh, not going to give them money or this or that. Um, I wanted to explore the idea of like what would happen if they did that or if they didn't do that. So um, the central pas de deux duet that I created was completely based off of gesture and I had never really done an extensive period in a piece with gesture and it was really cool because uh, this is actually one of those times that I didn't do it based off of the music um, but we worked together for uh, a few hours just to develop different uh, movements that weren't really like 
whole body dancey, but it was like a hand would, would move in front of a face or um, the body would ripple or something would wave. And it was really interesting to sort of put that together and then put the music on and see what happened from there. So uh, as you can see, even in the past couple of years, um, I feel like my choreographic voice is ever evolving. And I, I love the idea now, like before it was scary to feel like there were multiple ways to choreograph, but I love the idea now that I, uh, I don't have to feel like I have to fit into a certain box and I don't feel like I have, like if I, if I, I don't feel like I have to figure out how to be a choreographer because I feel like I'll always just be, it's like, I get to play. How many adults get to say for, for their job that they get to play all the time? Um, what a cool thing. So yeah, that, that's that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about this week. I wanted to get back in the studio. I wanted to talk about things directly, uh, dance directly in the studio. Um, and I'm planning on getting back to more of that kind of stuff. So um, I, I, if you enjoyed this content, do let me know um, if I'm going in the right direction. If, if uh, you are a choreographer and you have thoughts on this or if you uh, are curious about my process or if you want to share your process with me, uh, please do not be afraid to reach out to me. Um, I'll give you my website contact page in a second and you can always reach out to me on social media. Um, and then of course, if anybody ever wants to work with me choreographically, I am not tied to one place. Um, I sometimes have people come into the city to work with me. I'm brought out to work with uh, schools, companies, individuals, all that stuff. So I'll give you all that information in the outro that is going to happen right now. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolus, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blogs. I have archived Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I wrote for five years about working as a freelance artist. I also now have Dancing Offstage, which is a platform where I talk about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. I also have a YouTube channel that features my choreography, and you can find that by searching B. Carolis in the search panel on YouTube. Thanks for listening in to Pot of Chats. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.